0: For you guys. Uh just a little bit brief introduction. We're going to be talking about the helper today, the Holy Spirit as the helper. Uh, you'll hear the word paraclete. Um and uh so uh we're gonna go into John, we're gonna start in John chapter 14. Uh it's known as the upper room discourse. If you want to sound smart and sound fancy, uh you call it that. But basically what that means is uh during the uh the Passover, the last meal before Jesus uh, uh, headed to the Garden of Gethsemane and would start his trials and ultimately the work on the cross, um, he was hanging out with his disciples, and there's several chapters uh, where he's just trying to get them as much information as he can the last night and to prepare them for what was about to happen. So um, so a little update about me in school, because um, and, and, I'm going to request prayers First, since I'm up here, I'm going to take the full advantage to ask everyone to pray for me at once. Uh, So right now, I'm in this class, OT Survey 1. It's a wonderful class, and I want to praise God that I'm in it, the work I get drawn closer to God, because it's basically just reading the Old Testament and studying in His Word. But that being said, it's an intense amount of work uh, for me in my job and trying to be a dad and a husband. I just covet your prayers that... um, that God would help me through that and, and give me grace to to be there for my family, not negligent in my studies and in my work. Also, if you could uh, uh, pray, too, because some of the textbooks we have, they like to throw in different theories and on authorship and all this other stuff, and, and it's, uh, it's not difficult reading. It's just not enjoyable reading. Uh, and, and I don't want to grumble and complain, but I like reading truth. I don't like reading what yeah. liberal scholars believe. Because it's all, it's all nonsense, and, and it seems... Uh, I know it's not a waste of time, otherwise my uh, professors won't do that, but from my perspective, <laughs> it's a colossal waste of my time that I don't seem to have a lot of. So if you could pray for that. So my last class, too, uh, was Systematic Theology 2. So systemat- the- Systematic Theology, what you do is you just grab one topic and you study it. So in, in Systematic Th- Theology 2, we, we grab three topics. Christology, where we speak about Christ, who he is what his work is, about the second, his second coming, and, and everything about Jesus, his pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament, what it means for him to be part of the Trinity. And then we talked about, of course, soteriology, salvation, and, and what it meant for him when he died on the cross, and what salvation is, and what you have to believe, right? I love all those questions. And you can always answer them with this. What did the thief on the cross do, right? Just remember that. He's a great answer for it all. And... um because he didn't do anything. He just asked, just asked. And then uh then we got into of course salvation in Christ. You're going to talk about pneumatology and the Holy Spirit. And so that's uh that's where we're going to go today is from my 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 time that I spent in class learning, reading all the books and, and the research that I was doing on the Holy Spirit. So um I'm about to go into prayer. And when I pray, I'm going to pray that you got your seatbelts on cuz I'm going to take all that work and jam it into the next 40 minutes. So uh yeah. So uh, let's do that. I'm going to go open us up in prayer and then we'll start talking about the Helper. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for Sunday morning church, for worship, and coming together to honor you because you are worthy. Without you, you are the great cause. Nothing exists, not life. It's all by your grace. And I just want to praise you for that, Lord. And I just pray that you are with us here today and that your spirit would touch our hearts. I pray that with those that are struggling, you'd bring them some peace and grace. And those that are haughty, you'd bring them low to see that you are God. And Lord, I just pray that you use this broken vessel to speak your truth and glorify you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this privilege I pray this in your name, Amen. So, the Helper. First, I want to talk about misconceptions. Before I want to get into what the Holy Spirit is and how He works, I want to talk about misconceptions, right? So, um, one of the misconceptions about is like, how what does the Holy Spirit do in our life, right? So, we're going to talk about some of those things that we're supposed to talk about, being like walking with the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit, and what those mean. And one of the neat things that is always kind of fun, and I know I struggled with this when I first got saved, you're saved by grace, right? And once you get saved by grace, it's time to clean up the act, right? We don't get cleaned up before we come to Christ. We can't do that. That's the gospel. We're sinners. And because of our sin, wages of sin is death. We deserve hell. We can't attain heaven on our own because we are not holy. We are not righteous. If you're trying to earn heaven by your own good works, compare them to God, And you find out that your righteousness gets an F minus. It's no good. It's not good enough. You can't get to heaven. That's why you have to have faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. For he bled and died for your sins. He was buried and he was resurrected again. And then when that resurrection happened, that was God the Father accepting his sacrifice for your sins that you may have heaven. And all you got to do is accept that gift. It's a free gift, free gift from the Father. His Son was, He died for you so you could have heaven, and you're saved by grace, right? We, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we all know it very well. You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself, but the gift of God. So somehow, though, we get saved by grace, and we try to get sanctified by law because it is written, be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 16, Peter says that God is holy, and you should be holy. I struggled greatly with that verse, cause I knew I wasn't holy, and I was trying to be holy. And I, <laughs> I still can't be holy. I got kids that'll gladly testify. Not my daughters; they're perfect. <laughs> but it's like, what does that mean, right? So obviously, we got to be sanctified by grace. It's still by the work of the Spirit in us. But how does that look? What does that look like, right? So I, I like this one: let go and let God. Does anybody hear that? When you hear that, do you get like your radar going on, your rubbish radar going on, going, hmm, that doesn't sound right? How many of you think, How many I, think of yourself too, do you actually think let go and let God? That's, uh, that is right. Because that's a fun thing too, because let go and let God is this weird ambiguous thing that means different things for different people. So like if you're a guy and you're struggling with pornography, let go and let God, they ain't going to help you. They ain't going to help you with that, right? Uh, Adrian Rogers, I love, I love listening to Adrian Rogers, and he's preaching back in the 80s, and he talked about the three A's of pornography back then. You know, affordability, availability, and uh, uh, anonymous. Uh, that's the last one. I almost forgot it. it. It's everywhere, it's free, and you can do it without anybody knowing it, right? And, and so if you're going to let go and that God, you're going to find yourself failing a lot. But then also people will talk about it like when you're dealing with resentment and bitterness. You gotta sometimes let that go and let God do the healing. In that context, I can kinda see it. And I kinda get it, right? So if you hear somebody talking about letting go, letting God, uh, um, I would ask them, what do they mean by that, right? Let them start talking about what they believe. Uh, sometimes I think what we do is uh, when we hear some, some theology that we're like, mm, that doesn't quite sound right. I know I got this resting face where I, I start to, get this inquisitive look, and a lot of times I'm told that my face has this, you look, I'm calling the person stupid with my face, and I'm not trying to, you know. I'm just trying to understand what you're saying, and uh, I don't even know if you really know what you're saying, and I'm not trying to say that, but that's what my face says. But I want to know what they're saying, right? I want to know what they mean by let go and let God, because even then I would ask them, if you're giving up bitterness and resentment or anger, it's, it's one of those, like, sometimes you've got to repeatedly give it over to God and ask God for help. And you've got to perish those thoughts that keep coming back in your mind. And even then, that is very active work. Controlling your mind and your emotions is very active work. And so um, the other misconception that comes in fun, um, um, and the dead... In Christ will rise first. This is a punchline to a joke. So at one of my uh, previous jobs, when I was managing a Starbucks, uh, one of my employees uh, was very active in the uh, uh, apostolic church, and they believe in the sign gifts. And uh, so him and I would often have, have uh, discussions about the sign gifts and, and what the purpose of them was and why they you know, do them and some of the goofy stuff, that's slain in the spirit. Um, so, yeah, next week when Pastor comes back, if somebody wants to come down and lay in the ground, let's do that for Pastor and really freak him out. And then we won't. Probably be the last time I'm in the pulpit too. So, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I'd ask him about that. And this is right back. I don't remember what year it was, but if you guys remember, there was somebody that, there was a church that had predicted the date for the rapture. And and, and they said, the, the rapture is going to be on this date. And it actually made the news. And I was just like, holy cow, the news is talking about the rapture. Um. And, and so, like, my friend looked at me, Ty, he looks at me, and he's like, you know, Rich, you get to go first. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, the Baptist, the dead in, in Christ rise first. I was like, oh, right? And so, so I, and, I, and I think that kind of highlights some other truth, too, because we, and if you believe in the sensation, sensation of the, the, the sign gifts, um, you, you want to avoid sometimes talking about the Holy Spirit because like sometimes you, you know it gets, it gets really convoluted really fast. Because most people, you're either for gifts, you're against gifts, or I think most people kind of ride in the middle. like Where they're like, I don't believe in sign gifts today, but I'm not saying it's not possible because with God all things are possible. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of walk, and we kind of avoid that conversation. Um, I'll have that conversation. I enjoy it. So uh, I, I believe in the cessation of it. I believed it ended at the end of the uh, first century. They're uh, giving gifts to the apostles, and we don't have apostles today, and they were there to, to start the church, and we're established, and they're not needed anymore. Besides that, if you have the gift of healing, you should be in a hospital today. And if you're not, shame on you. I don't know why God gave you a gift just to keep to yourself. It's not to glorify you. It's to glorify him. So uh, let me get off that pulpit. So... But I, I, don't want, I don't want us to make the mistake either where we're dead in Christ, where we're not enjoying the Holy Spirit, right? That's the other, I think, mistake we make. So let's get to John chapter 14 um, and look at it. So we're going to be looking at uh, what Jesus said. So Jesus in the upper discourse. Um, I'm going to go right to uh, verse 16, starting in chapter 14 of John. You want to open your Bibles with me. And he, says, and he says to them, he's, he's kind of discussing the future and what's going to happen. And he says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What an amazing promise from Jesus. He's about to go to the cross and he's letting him know you're not going to be alone. I'm not leaving you alone. I have a plan for you. I'm going to send you the helper. He refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, the paraclete. And he's like, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to go on because I got other things that I got to do, but I'm going to send another helper for you. Isn't that amazing? I like that. Another helper. Not just myself and the Father, but another. That's a sweet thing. And those that believe in the oneness of God, you miss out because we have three helpers if you believe in the Trinity. But the world can't receive them, and you know them, and you are going to see them. And what's great is then Paul in Romans confirms that what Jesus promised happened. And I love this verse, Romans five five. If you don't have this memorized, you should memorize this. And dwell on it, because it is such a beautiful thought. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isn't that amazing? It's just God's love poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. God's love is flowing through the Holy Spirit in your life because he's dwelling in you today. And if you're not enjoying that, you should be asking yourself, why not? And if you are, man, you know how good it is. And this verse is great encouragement to you. Life is a struggle enough, and sometimes it's just sitting back and thinking about how God loves you is that encouragement to get up and do another day. And this is one of those sweet verses that kind of emphasizes that. Um, I got the note up there, T. Probably can't. The red doesn't show up well. I'll remember that for next time. But T. So Tabitha and I, we like tea. We're getting into the world of tea. It's really fabulous. Come talk with us. We'll we'll tell you all about it. Um, but we got these neat little devices. You put loose leaf tea in there. You fill it up with water. And there's a little plunger on the bottom. And uh, and you put your cup underneath. And you put it on there. And there's a little spring loaded. Uh, spring-loaded plunger that when it rests on your cup, it actually pushes that spring up and the and the tea pours out the bottom. And it's kind of fun because I'm as I'm preparing my, for my sermon, I'm doing this and <laughs> I'm all giddy and I'm watching it flow out and uh, I, I kind of forgot to uh, actually watch the cup that was filling. <laughs> and it, it overflowed the cup, rolled off the table and in my lap and I had a wet lap with hot tea, which was uncomfortable. But uh, it was just kind of this neat thought, like it was like this perfect illustration of God's love flowing out into this little cup that can't hold all of the, the love that God's got for me. And it was just like, oh, man, God, you're good. You're good. You're so good to me. I so don't deserve it. And it's just beautiful. So the helper. It uh, comes from the Greek parakletos. That's where you, you'll hear the word paraklete sometimes. Uh, Counseling is kind of getting focused on that now. Paraclete wants to talk about uh, uh, um, um, how the Holy Spirit works as a counselor in our lives and how the Holy Spirit works for us. Because Paracletos, it it can mean mediator, intercessor, uh, helper, encourager, comforter, counselor. That's the gift that the Holy Spirit is to you, He's your helper. It comes from from the word parakletos, or uh, from parakleto, which is a noun for uh, to comfort, encourage, exhort. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not to oversimplify it, but he's a cheerleader in your life. You got this. You can do this. I'm with you. And what's neat about that verb, uh, uh, the title two of parakletos, it's in the uh, passive. He's not... He's coming alongside you to aid you. He's there to help. He's not there to put down. He's not there to crush. He's not there to call you a filthy, useless sinner. God already already knows you're a sinner, and that's why he sent his son to die for you. He's not there just to crush you. He's there to help you, to encourage you. So when you're stuck... And the anxiety is overwhelming you. He's not there calling you a filthy sinner that needs to get right with God. He's there to help you with your anxiety. When you're struggling with depression or sadness or you're overwhelmed by your circumstances, he's there to help you, encourage you. He's your intercessor, right? Because that's the other fun thing about paracletos. Uh, uh, It's got, it had some legal terms in the day for like advocate, Defender, Patronus is the Latin for defender. He's there for you, right? I mean, it's opposed to to Satan, who's the accuser of the brethren, right? They're both, Satan and the Holy Spirit is both about God's holiness. Satan likes to accuse you and point how you don't measure up. He's the one that likes to make sure that you feel like a filthy, useless sinner. He's the accuser of the brethren. The Holy Spirit wants to protect God's holiness by helping you be holy helping you maintain those commands that are in the Bible that are really hard and a struggle for you. So getting back to that passage in John 14, we're going to move down to verses 25 and 26 and look at some more of these promises that Jesus gave. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. All right, so, he's, so he said that the Holy Spirit's going to teach the disciples. When, when you read about the disciples through the gospel, they, they are not ashamed to put in there. They didn't understand at the time what Jesus was talking. When the Holy Spirit came, they understood and they remembered those things. And when they wrote, they wrote through the power of the Holy Spirit because he was helping them understand and teaching them the truths that God needed to do. He is the spirit of truth. And John also writes about that and how it's working in our lives today. In 1 John uh, chapter 2, 27, he, he writes, But the anointing which you have received from him, which is the Holy Spirit, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and John said it has taught you, you will abide in him. Holy Spirit's going to teach you. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go out and seek teaching and understanding, and and, and because there's certain things that you're just not going to know and understand, like some of the culture, historical culture, and, and context of some of the scripture or some of the words and what they mean. But the Holy Spirit's going to help you know what you need to know. If you get into His Word, right? Because that's one of my other beautiful things about the Holy Spirit that is just amazing, and it, and I and I don't know how many times I say it, and I won't stop saying it. The author of the Scriptures resides right in here and as you read the scriptures he is communing with you to help you understand truths you're not going to understand every truth in there but he's going to help you understand the truths that you need to know because he knows you he knows what you need to know and he's going to help you see that and that's called the doctrine of illumination if you want another nickel term But that's a beautiful thing, that that is the helper. He's there to help teach us and understand salvation and what it means. So getting back to the upper room discourse, moving into chapter 15, Jesus, again, talks about the the, the helper. But when the helper comes, whom whom I shall send to you from the Father, again, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit's in you to point to Christ. The Holy Spirit's main purpose is to point you to Christ and God. And that's how he helps us and that's how he encourages us. He wants you to come before God. He wants you to help help you come to God, help you enjoy Jesus, right? And so uh, he, uh, he leads us in truth to God. I, I like how Paul says it in Romans. Romans chapter eight talks a lot about the power of the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You're not supposed to be fearing God in judgment. But you receive the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God's no longer the wrathful God when you're saved. He's your Abba, Father. And the Spirit of truth wants you to understand that. He wants you to come before God as your sweet heavenly father, your Abba father. And the spirit himself will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Satan wants you to not believe that you're saved. Satan Satan wants to get you to question your salvation when you trip and you stumble, right? Your salvation is secure. It's secure because it's done by God, period. Not by you, it's by God. It's secured. So the other fun conversation then is assurance, whether or not you trust that, whether or not you believe that. And that, that comes from the Spirit. He'll help you understand that heaven is yours and that whatever's going on in this life is temporary. It's going to pass. But more importantly, the reward at the end is unfathomable. can't even begin to, to wrap our mind around the concept of what heaven's going to be. I think there's a lot of mis-ideas about what heaven's going to be, too. But yeah, so, uh, and if we're uh, spirit, children of God, children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified together. Isn't that amazing? We're going to be joint heirs with Christ. Christ has promised it all. It's all His, and we're going to be joint heirs. Just whatever you're struggling for, striving for in this life, whatever you're trying to attain, nothing in comparison to being an heir of Christ. So I don't. It, it's a simple choice. It really is. It, it's simple because yeah, it, it's like uh, joint heir of Christ or this world that's going to get destroyed. Should be a pretty simple choice. Doesn't mean that it's not difficult. And us in our self-destructive sin nature bodies won't choose this, because that's going to happen, but then we got to get our eyes on the price. So the helper, so we're going back to John in chapter 16. He says, uh, uh, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will come, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I love that. Jesus is like, hey, you know what? My dying on the cross is going to be sad for you guys. I know it. I get it. But it's to your advantage because then the Holy Spirit will come. Isn't that amazing? Like like Christ is saying, like me going up to heaven is it, going to be better for you because the Holy Spirit's going to come. How, how amazing is the gift of the Holy Spirit? How much do we not comprehend it and how much do we neglect it, right? And Christ is saying, it's gonna be better for you that I, I go away so that I can send you this helper. This helper is that amazing. And he's the one that convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Because he empowers us to witness for Christ. He does. He's the one that's gonna help you share the gospel. And I know, I know, it, it, a lot of times, oh man, the guilt comes, right? I'm horrible at sharing the gospel. I, I, I miss spiritual conversations. I, I just... I don't know what to say and I'm really bad at it. You're right. You are horrible at it. But it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. I mean, that's kind of like the, you want some hints on how to share the gospel, tell people they have sin, they haven't attained God's righteousness and that sin is going to be judged. That's the bad news. And the good news is Christ died for you. You can do that and let the Holy Spirit work through you. And if you don't practice, you won't get good at it. And if you just rely on the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about it. You're not the one that brings salvation. You just got to open your mouth and let the words flow. Try, stumble. You'll get better at it. If you make a mistake, we learn from mistakes if you don't try, you're not going to make those mistakes. You're not going to learn. You're not going to get better. Go, try. Take those opportunities, those spiritual conversations. And if you miss it, man, ask God to help you see that. And that's the beautiful thing. The helper, he's there to help you. So if you do mess it up, be like, ah, oh, Holy Spirit, help me learn from that. Help me be better. I got a feeling his answer is going to be like, okay. Because that's what he's there to do. And I like that in Acts 1a, right? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We're pretty far from from Jerusalem and I think that includes us. The Holy Spirit's here to help us share the gospel and testify about God and give the good news because the good news is, man, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all rooting for us. So, uh, I'm going to transition now into a little bit more about his ministry and how else the helper helps us that you'll find in the New Testament. Uh, So in his ministry, uh, he empowers us to live for God. Uh, Coming out of Ephesians 3.16, I I, I got a couple more verses in there, but uh, I love this passage because this passage Paul prays for the church of of Ephesus, and he prays, uh, and he starts his prayer off like this. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is his first request, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Paul's first request is that you are strengthened with the spirit so you may walk with God, that you may live for God. You need the spirit to walk for God and live for him. And he's helping you do that. That's part of what he is, is the helper. And also, this is another beautiful thought. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We no longer have to be slaves to sin. You don't have to say yes to sin. Before salvation, all you could do was serve self, self and sin, right? After that, you still have free will, and you still have a choice. You can serve God or serve self. And the beautiful thing is, is the Spirit gives you the option, gives you the liberty to serve God, I always love when people want to pound their chest about Christian liberties and what they can do and they can't do. I always want to say, why don't you pound your chest about what you can do now that you're in Christ? You can share his gospel. You can read his word. You can come to church and worship him. You can come alongside other believers that are struggling and encourage them and love them. You can bring somebody a meal that's sick. You can bring somebody a meal who just had a kid. There's so much that you can do in all these liberties that the world can't do. The world can't share the gospel They can't. That's our privilege. Our privilege. And you better understand that, that that's your privilege, not not your obligation. Not something that you have to do begrudgingly because if you don't, God won't love you. No. You get to be part of God's plan. And when you get to heaven, the only thing that's going to be there is not going to be your fancy house, not going to be your nice car's, not that it's wrong having that stuff, but the only thing that's going to be there are the other people, the other people that you bring with you. So if you want heaven to be glorious, think about all those souls that you can bring with you. Sorry. Not sorry. So the helper, his purpose, he has a purpose for us too, right? It's not just to have us get saved and then kind of aimlessly wander through life. No, there's a goal for your life. God doesn't just save you so that you don't have the punishment of hell. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29. God wants to conform you to the image of Christ. That's what it means to be Christian, Christ-like. That's our goal. And no, it's not attainable. Christ cheated. He didn't have a sin in nature. We do. We do. And he kind of had that full deity and all the, the omni attributes that we don't have. But God has a goal for life. Do you? Are you kind of taking this Christian thing serious? Are you trying to be holy as God is holy? What are you doing with your Christianity? You know? Uh, so there was this debate I was listening to. It was kind of interesting. Uh two guys that I like, Jordan Peterson and then Ben Shapiro, we're talking, and, and Shapiro is an Orthodox Jew, and, and uh, uh, Peterson has Christian principles that he, he uses, and, and one of the things was he is actually saying this, that we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, and it was kind of neat, because Shapiro, as an Orthodox Jew, said, I don't believe that's right, the idea that y- y- you can't be like Christ, because Christ is holy, and he's separate, and he's unattainable, and that's why you can't be like him, so no, I don't think it's in the Christian doctrine that you should be imitators of Christ. It was kind of interesting, right? Because he was talking about, of course, working out your own righteousness, and, and, and I'm like, you can't do that. It really broke my heart. Um, but, yeah, we can't. And he's right. But that's why we have the helper. We have the helper to encourage us, to help us where we struggle, to help us where we fail, to help us. And that's the sweet part. When you like. Let the Holy Spirit do the work that he's got to do to help you do the work that you got to do. You're going to taste the goodness of God. And then you're going to share the gospel because you're going to know and understand the gospel. You're going to want others to enjoy what you enjoy. You're going to see others struggling in pain, and you're going to have grace and mercy for them like God has grace and mercy for us. And you're going to want them to have the hope of the gospel, the hope of the helper in their life. To help them as he has helped you. So his help in that purpose. Right? Romans 8 26 to 28. If we back up from Romans 8 29, you get these beautiful verses too. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Amen. Where we're weak, he helps. And he's not surprised for that. He's not surprised by our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groans which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. He knows you. He knows the will of God. He knows where you fall short, and he knows where you do well. He will commend you and convict you, and the conviction is to help you grow closer to God, which is your reasonable service. It's logical, it's wise, it's good to draw closer to the one that loves you, the almighty creator who spoke everything into existence. He loves you and has your best interest at his heart. He's holy. That means his love for you is perfect and pure. That means his plans for you are perfect and pure. And his plans for you, going to give you a hint. A lot better than your plans for you. That's why the Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what we don't know. God knows that. God knows we're finite. Spirit knows what we need spirit does. He's dwelling in you. That's a beautiful thought. That he's also doing this according to the will of God for your life. And because of that, we know all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Loving God. It's simple. It's easy. It's a heart of gratitude. It's a heart of gratitude. Thanking him for what he did loving him as the Abba Father, believing the truth about him. It's simple. So, to help her, he encourages, right? Uh, my wife and I, when, we're, when I was going through the class on the Holy Spirit, she had this sweet epiphany and she shared it with me and it was a beautiful thing. Um, she was reading in Ephesians uh, chapter four twenty nine. He said, let no corrupt word out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. God wants you to talk like this because this is how God talks to you. He doesn't come at you with corrupt words. He's not wagging a finger at you, calling you filthy sinners. He's only speaking words to you that impart grace because that's what God's got for you is grace. Grace. For there is now no condemnation in the spirit. He's got grace for you. So this is how God speaks to you. This is why he wants you to speak to others like this. this. Because that's who he is. We were made in his image and we should do the things that he has done. Isn't that a beautiful thought that God won't speak to you with corrupt words? He's got nothing but love for you. Even the people that want to blaspheme his name and do all the ugly things that they do, he still loves them and he will still not speak to them with cruft word. Even in their judgment, it will not be a cruft word coming out of his mouth towards them. He's holy and pure. And he will only, only words that are going to come out of the Lord's mouth are word, good for necessary edification. And I like that, backing up a couple uh, uh, verses in, in that chapter. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, the darkness, having to understand darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. We're, we're not supposed to be ignorant of God. We're not supposed to be alienated from God. If you're not spending time in his word and praying with him and you're going to be alienated from God, you're, you're going to be struggling. Life's going to be a struggle. And you're not going to be able to do these things that God wants you to do. So I'm going to transition a little bit from what he does to our, our part. Our part. We're supposed to obey the Spirit, right? So uh, there's four commandments that we get about the Holy Spirit. Uh, two are positive, two are negative, right? And uh, uh, I have a little note in there, DOT regulations. So, uh, you know, I teach guys how to drive truck, and part of that is trying to explain a, a whole bunch of Jew uh, that's known as uh, uh, law. Um, and trying to explain it, right? And a lot of times too, a lot of these laws, sometimes these laws to my drivers are, are cumbersome. They don't understand them. They seem like a waste of time. And they have these good intentions and then they violate these laws. And uh, yeah, but, uh, that doesn't fly with a DOT inspector. Weird. You violate the law, doesn't matter how good you're, why you're doing it, you broke the law. I uh, speeding officer, why? Because I uh, had to, it was necessary for good. No, you're going to get a ticket. So, uh, but the other part about DOT regulations, and I always tell these guys too. Uh, so, like, if you've got a light out on your trailer, one light out, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to, it's a violation to take it out on the street go out in the yard. You're supposed to get it fixed. Sometimes, uh, late at night, towards the end of their shift, and you know, they don't have time to always do the right thing. And so, guys, I always tell them, you've got the choice. Fix it or ride dirty. That's your two choices, fix it or, or violate. And so I, I think with these, with these commands too, because these regulations are laws, and we have that same choice when it comes to these laws, uh, these commands about God and the Holy Spirit. You can fix what's broken, or you can ride dirty and disobey them. That's the beautiful part about God. He's, he's not violating your free will. It was a gift he gave to you. Gift, curse, we can debate you, you can follow him or not. And the first one he gives is walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.16. Uh, second hour in the Sunday school hour class, I'm going to talk about Galatians 5.16. We're going to get more into walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is what you do in your daily, 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 daily. Minute by minute, hour by hour, walking in the spirit. And I say then, walk in the spirit. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a beautiful thing. If you're walking in the spirit. You're not going to uh, uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say you won't be tempted. But if you're listening to the Spirit, when those temptations come, he's going to help you. He's going to help you out. So uh, walk. Uh, it's to conduct one's life. Comport oneself. Behave. Live as habit of conduct. Right? A lot of times God gives us these images for us to try to understand like things that are on a table like, I don't know if you ever try to imagine what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That's probably my inner, like, five-year-old trying to picture what it looks like. But, so God gives these, like, words for us to try to figure out what it means, and walking's one of them. So, like, when he's talking about that, it's like walking with the Spirit, like hand-in-hand, hand, thinking about him throughout the day, letting him, letting him work with you, right? It's habit, conduct. And it starts, of course, with reading and praying and meditating and memorizing of Scripture. So, so, so when you memorize that Scripture, it's not just to check off a list that you memorize it, but it's in there so it's with you throughout the day so you can meditate on it throughout the day. So as you're going throughout your day, you can pray. Oh, Lord, my boss, I can't believe he just said that. I want to put my hands on his throat again. Bosses say stuff like that. Lord, help me. Don't let me, don't, take this away from me. This is not how you want me to be, right? And so that's walking in the spirit. Like I said, we're going to talk more about this in the second hour. The other positive command he gives us, and I think this one gets, this one's really fun. This is the one that gets screwed up the most. Be filled with the spirit. Uh, Ephesians five eighteen, right? And do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, not dispensation, sorry, dissipation, uh, but be filled with the spirit. Filled with the Spirit, it's a command, right? Now, filled, I think, is more like walking is a daily thing. Filled is like this temporary here and there kind of thing, Uh, and 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 it's being contrasted with being drunk, and it's it's very much contrasting with being drunk because the way you're drunk, you know, it affects your mind, it it, it affects your emotions and how what you think and how you feel because the two of them work together, Uh, uh, and even your body and the control of your body, right? And so, so. Like being filled with spirit. Because the word filled is just that. It's one of those that's a very translated well word. Like filled. Uh, like another word where it's used in the New Testament. Is when uh, um, Mary uh, anoints Jesus with the oil. And washes uh, his feet with her hair. And, the, and it talks about the, 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 the fragrance filling the room. Right? It's that same word for fill. It fills. Just like pouring out my tea into my cup. And it overflowing. It fills. And that's what it means. And again... That's a fun picture, you know. It's like, I, you know, am I a balloon? that, You know, um, yeah, I sanctified a man in generation. It's, uh, it's quite juvenile. I appreciate it. But uh, so filled, what it means, though, because Paul doesn't just leave it ambiguous like that. He gives us some context, right? How to know we are being filled. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Worship this morning. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. I don't know how that song makes you feel, but man, I love corporate worship. I love singing with you guys. I love that. And that's part of being filled with the Spirit. When you're singing out for Christ, worshiping God in the truths that are written down in these songs, praising Him for these truths, praising Him that it's not about me, but it's about Him. It's complete, not because of me, but because of Christ in me, right? And that's what it means. And singing these songs, that's one way you can be filled with the Spirit. There should be some physiological response. There's a reason why people do the hand-waving and the, and the, the TV-carrying and all the other stuff they do. There's, there's a reason. Last week, we sang Power of the Cross, it brought tears to my eyes. Every time that song would bring tears to my eyes, I went to talk to a gentleman and I saw the tears were all up in his eyes. It is a powerful song about what Jesus did on the cross for me. I definitely don't deserve it. Right? So corporate worship is a way that you can be filled by the Spirit. So you need to get into church and you need to enjoy worship. Don't be missing out. It's wonderful to be filled by the Spirit. You should be enjoyed being filled by the Spirit, right? And, and making melody in your hearts when you're listening to Christian music And you're singing. When you're at work, taking time just to worship God. At home, with the kids, wherever it is. And giving thanks, always, for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Attitude of gratitude. When things are going wrong, start being thankful. Start being thankful. Start counting your blessings. Let the spirit fill you up with his presence. Help you enjoy God. Help you enjoy what he is doing right. Because a lot of times you'll do right and it seems to come out wrong. And a lot of times in this world that is broken, sin and death reign, grief is going to come. And taking that moment to pause and to be thankful, it's difficult, it's challenging do it. And this last one, too. We're going to give thanks to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God, worshiping and serving each other, worshiping together, serving each other, giving thanks. So it's, if you haven't helped another brother or sister out when they're struggling, talk to somebody who has. There is a sweet joy in the communion, and the fellowship, coming along somebody and rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep and helping them out. It's nice being a blessing. It is sweet to be a conduit of God's love to a brother or sister in need. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. That's the Holy Spirit commending you. It's that high five. Well done. And it's good. And that's... David, in his psalm, he writes, Taste and see that God is good. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, right? And just taking that time to do those corporate worships and working together with other Christians and giving thanks. And these are the negative commands, these are what we're commanded not to do. Do not quench the Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19. It's written just like that. Don't quench the spirit. Uh, this, this is a fun Greek word. Shib, it's a sh, not just an S. Shibinimai, right? That's a fun one. To cause an action, state, or, or faculty to cease, to function, or exist, to quench, put out, stifle, suppress. Go away, kid. Stop bothering me. Shoot. And it's like quench, it's putting out a fire, right? The opposite of this is when Paul tells Timothy to fan the flame. In Second Timothy 1.6, Timothy's struggling in his walk. He's getting beat up for trying to do what's right, and he's getting low. And, and, and Paul says, therefore, I remind you to steer up. It means to kindle the flames. It's like the, the fire's dying out. It's still there, but it's dying out. You need to put some more kindling and logs on there and get that fire going, It's the opposite of quenching it, right? Steer up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That's the Holy Spirit. He's like, fan the flames. Get that Holy Spirit rolling. Again, there's another word picture for us to understand. The fire, a consuming fire that's in you, right? Again, there's that sanctification. Imagine picturing a fire inside myself. That doesn't seem healthy, but it seems awesome, right? Don't quench the Spirit. And of course, in the context, he kind of helps out what that means, right? He talks about this in these verses. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. You're going to render evil for evil? Definitely going to quench the spirit because the spirit doesn't want to do that. God's going to judge sin, yes. He is. But is he going to render evil for evil? No. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. It's okay to seek good for yourself. Just make sure you're doing it for yourself that it's good for all as well. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? Remember the Holy Spirit wants us to help us do according to God's will for us. This is God's will. Rejoice isn't being silly, happy when trials come. It's rejoicing that you have the helper and the God with you to get you through that trial. And that's why you should pray without ceasing. And giving thanks for everything. Again, being filled with the Spirit is about being thankful and remembering the good things that you have in your life because of God. Uh, Nothing good in my life is from mine. That's the beautiful part about coming to Christ later in life. I I try to live my way and, woof. yeah, that got me a whole bunch of nothing. Well, it got me more than that. It got me pain and sorrow. And then when I started coming along God's way, man, life is unbelievable. So don't quench that spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Don't quench it. Don't go down that road. If you like I said again, the easy example is pornography. If you're struggling with it, don't. And the spirit says, stop, stop. Don't quench them. Tell them to go away and don't don't take that phone in the bathroom. Don't do it. Right? If you're struggling with gossip and you want to talk about that other person, just so you know how to pray for them you need to know that so-and-so did something, something, right? When the God, when the spirit says, don't say it, don't do it, listen. You have the free will. You can say, shut up. I'm going to do this anyways because I like it. feels good. You can. You can talk about other people. You're not supposed to. So don't quench the spirit. Uh, the last verse, First Thessalonians 5.23. I really like this verse too. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace and blameless go together. Peace and blameless go together. If you are going to quench the spirit, you're not going to have peace. Right? I, I heard uh, uh, Dr. Jerry was sharing something that he heard and I really liked it. The three types of men... The natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man that Paul highlights in Corinthians. Natural man, is going to have his sin, and he's going to enjoy his sin, he's not going to have conviction. The spiritual man, he knows joy and peace. The carnal man, the Christian that's trying to live like the world, is in the worst spot. He's not going to be able to enjoy the sin that he's trying to enjoy, and he's not going to know the joy and the peace from being a spiritual man. It's a way bad space to be So don't quench the spirit. Listen to the spirit. Walk with the spirit. Let the spirit resonate, and you memorize scripture. Let him use that scripture to guide you, to help you. And when you're stumbling, realize he's the the helper and the encourager. Pray, God help me. And the sweet part is, he's already praying for you and interceding for you. So, in the last command we got, and we're going to wrap up with this one: Do not grieve the spirit comes again from that Ephesians passage, "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil-speaking put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another. tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Realize that. The main contrast when it comes to grieving the Holy Spirit: put away the malice, put away the clamor the anger, the wrath, especially when you're talking to other children of God because that's not how God is going to talk to them. And that's not how God wants you to talk to each other. He wants you to be kind, tender-hearted. He wants you to be forgiving as Christ was forgiving. And when you choose the latter, you're going to grieve the Spirit comes from the Greek word for lepeo to cause severe mental or emotional distress, vex, irritate, offend, insult. Think about that. You can cause the Holy Spirit to have emotional distress. Don't be fooled. The Holy Spirit has emotions. We are made in the image of God. We have emotions because God has emotions. God can love. We can love. We can sorrow. God can sorrow. When you lash out at a brother or sister in Christ that God loves, it causes him sorrow. You break God's hearts. No, I, I don't want to do that. Be sad, be sorrowful, be distressed. Your Abba Father that loves you and loves that other person you're lashing out at, or speaking evil of. So, the good news. The good news. Therefore, uh, do not grieve uh, the Spirit. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Your Father can also be pleased with you right don't grieve the spirit more importantly know that when you do that loving kindness tender hearted that you are a sweet aroma to God and that you're pleasing your heavenly father and he's going to look down to you and he's going to be like that's my girl that's my boy well done my good and faithful servant that's the sweet part about it that you can do the opposite of grieving you can actually please your heavenly father just like the sweet part too is you can quench the spirit. If you have quenched the spirit, you can rekindle those flames. You can say, "Spirit, I'm sorry. Spirit, forgive me." Well, you shouldn't be praying. In the spirit, praise Christ and ask to have, and ask your heavenly Father to forgive you for quenching the spirit, and ask to have those flames rekindled. Saying, "God, restoring me, your spirit, let me serve you, man." You can, you should. Yeah. And the beautiful part too, all you get to do is grieve the spirit. You don't make him angry, right? It says don't anger the spirit for wrath will come. It just says don't grieve him. Don't make him sorrowful. Don't make him sad. Don't hurt his feelings because you are unkind. He doesn't say do this and he will smote you. He will be angry with you. He allows grace and mercy for you. So if you are unkind, if you are mean, if you are using your tongue to worship the devil and be an accuser of the brethren, you don't get grief. I mean, you don't get anger and wrath. You get mercy. You don't get what you deserve. And not only that, but when you apologize and ask for forgiveness, you will be cleansed from all unrighteousness and he'll rekindle that flame inside of you because he's not done with you because he is faithful even when we are not. So the helper, we're gonna conclude here. The helper, realize the Holy Spirit is your helper, your encourager, your comforter. When you are weak, he is your strength. That's why you need to walk with Him and be filled with Him. Lord, I'm low. Sing those songs that fill you with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I can't believe today is the day and, I, and I, can't, I, I can't do this, Lord. And your anxiety and your fears are going through the roof. Lord, Lord, this isn't your will for me, and my flesh is loud. The Spirit wars against the flesh. Isn't that wonderful? The other fun thing I wanted to help you to is that realize this: He's the helper, not the doer. He's the helper. You need to take your actions. If you're not going to read and meditate on His Word, memorize those scriptures, right? First James one20 twenty. I'm going to bring this up. Next one, it's one of that I've memorized. The anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And every time my anger busts out, I remember it. God's like rich. Are you producing the righteousness of God? Yes. No. That helps. Are you doing your part? Right? You have to purpose these things. If you struggle again with pornography, you've got to put up roadblocks. You've got to remove and do the things that you need to do, and the helper's going to help convict you when you're being tempted. But, uh, yeah. You still have to say no. You still have to do what you have to do to get away from that. And, and, and you still have to do your part. Again, if you're struggling with resentment and bitterness, you have to perish those thoughts. You have to do your part, and you have to pray to God and ask for help. You have to ask for help. And more importantly, you, you have to do your part by reading and memorizing and, and learning the scriptures to see what God's got for you in life. Again, the Holy Spirit prays for you because you don't know what you need to do. You don't. And He knows what you need. And if you're not getting into the perfect law of liberty and looking into the mirror to see who God is and what God wants for you, you're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. You're not going to have a goal for your life and you're going to wander around aimlessly. Hang out with your heavenly father who's got a plan for you that's far better than you could ever plan for yourself. And lastly, are you ready to enjoy the work of the helper, the comforter, the gift of God, It's a gift. It was advantageous for Christ to die that the Helper could come. It's a sweet gift. Enjoy it. Enjoy Him. He's there for your good. He's there that you can walk this life. Enjoy Him. He's good. So, I'm going to pray and close this in prayer. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about those four commands. Have I been walking with the Spirit? Have I been grieving the Spirit? Have I quenched the Spirit? Do I enjoy being filled with the Spirit? So, as I lead us in prayer, I want you to ask those questions of yourself. See where you are. Am I enjoying the spirit in my life? If not, ask God, help me enjoy you. That's, that's, that's what we're here for, to glorify and enjoy God, and you're going to glorify God by enjoying him, and you're going to share the gospel because it's good news because you're going to enjoy God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, sweet Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit And, Lord, I just pray that you work in our hearts to understand his ministry in our life. Oh, there's so much more that he does for us. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, today you work in our hearts. You help us answer those questions. Help us be honest with ourselves, Lord, because, man, oh, man, it is easy to say, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm good with God. But I want you to help us look into our own hearts and help us see where we are and where we aren't where we need to grow and how we can grow closer to you and more importantly, enjoy you more and be a, more of a blessing and love others as you have loved. And Lord, I just again thank you. I thank you for your son and his death on the cross and I just pray that anyone that hasn't come to accept your son as a personal savior would do so today and that you would send them the mighty gift of your Holy Spirit to dwell in their lives so that they may come to know you more. For you are good. And I pray this in your son's wonderful name.